One way of a principle getting started is to have it as a standing item on the agenda, right? Put a workplace wellness committee together that does more than just party planning and social convening. We know so much more than that now. The pod class is in session. I'm your host, Caitlin Thiel, and welcome to our elective series, System Leadership in Healthy Schools. I want to start by sharing that I'm a white settler, recording today from a Miskwichi, Waskahigan, or Edmonton, on Treaty 6, which is the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, Nakota Sioux, and the Métis Nation of Alberta Regions 1, 2, 3, and 4. I want to acknowledge the ancestral and unceded territories of all the Inuit, Métis, and First Nations people that call this land home and who have been stewards of the landways and the waterways since time immemorial. The System Leadership in Healthy Schools series aims to empower school system leaders to improve a wide variety of outcomes, maximizing student and staff well-being. The elective series is brought to you by the Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance. The Alliance is a network of organizations on a mission to promote health and well-being in school communities across Canada. The Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance has recently launched the new Canadian Healthy School Standards to support leaders and schools in growing their healthy school communities. Check out episode one in this series to hear more about the Alliance and the journey to develop the standards. Today, we're joined by Brian Angelic, Director of Leadership Learning for Wellness with the College of Alberta School Superintendents, otherwise known as CAPS. Brian has extensive experience in workplace wellness with a background in positive psychology and comprehensive school health. During his time as superintendent in Sullivan, Alberta, he designed and implemented a holistic model of wellness around the concept of psychological capital. Since retiring as a superintendent in 2017, Brian has spent much of his time working with organizations to weld the concepts of wellness and leadership for individuals, teams, organizations, and communities. This includes how to create safe conversations for those struggling with mental well-being and those trying to help. In our conversation today, we're going to discuss the importance of well-being at the highest levels of leadership and the need for systemic, comprehensive, and collaborative solutions to support the well-being of teachers, and education leaders. A reminder to our listeners that podcast learning is mobile, so we invite you to get active and get moving and do a little something for yourself to nurture your well-being while you listen. Welcome to the podcast electives, Brian. Thank you for being here. While our listeners are thinking of ways to tend to their wellness, I thought we could open and maybe you can share your favorite ways to nurture your wellness. Good day, Caitlin. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to spend some time with you uh, here today. Uh, Well, my absolute favorite, and I don't get to it as much as I would like to, is uh, fly fishing. I'm a a fly fisher hack. Um, I don't know nearly as much about the science of the insects as I would like to, um, but I just had an opportunity of spending some quality time this past long weekend with uh, family and uh, with some fishing as well. So it really doesn't get much better than that, coming back really uh, rejuvenated for sure. Oh, beautiful. And you were camping in Alberta? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, near the Bow River, near Calgary, actually. Uh, I have two daughters living there and uh, two grand- two grandsons now as wow. well. So we had a chance to spend a little bit of time with some of them and my wife's family as well. Oh, beautiful. And uh, yeah, did a little fishing in the Bow River. My favorite place is north of Crow's Nest Pass, kind of halfway back to Kananaskis, beautiful higher country, a little cooler in the summer mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, and hoping to get there maybe next week a little bit. Oh, wonderful. I know for sure my favorite place to be is anywhere near water. So that sounds like a lovely weekend. Okay, well, I'm excited to have you here today. I'm excited for our guests to hear all about what you've been up to for the last couple of years uh, and then kind of blend it in with the standards that we've been talking about throughout this series. So why don't we back right up and can you tell us a little bit about CAS and your role at CAS? Sure. So three years ago now, uh, the College of Alberta School Superintendents teamed up with the McConnell Foundation and specifically the Wellhead Initiative. The Wellhead Initiative was the K-12 Wellness Initiative uh, sponsored by the McConnell Foundation. And so Wellhead, that arm of McConnell, was doing considerable work across the country looking at all kinds of K-12 school wellness, different initiatives, different forward-thinking kinds of ways of making an impact, um, which, of course, would cascade to students. As time went on, Wellhead was interested very much in staff, teacher, and leadership well-being. And one of the reasons that Wellahead was particularly interested in uh, working with the College of Alberta School Superintendents is that was about the same time that the standard for conduct of superintendents was being invented, I guess, here in Alberta with Alberta Education. Mm-hmm. And so they were looking to work with CAS to see whether there could be a way of welding leadership, the leadership standard, with well-being. And so our main role actually was to work just on that. How can the two come together? How can we bring the wellness wording in the standard forward into the work uh, that superintendents are doing every day? So for our our listeners from outside Alberta, can you just give us a teaser about what these superintendent leadership quality standards are? Sure. Sure. Yeah, so the where this where, where the work really fits together the best is in the very first competency. Mm-hmm. So that competency is fostering effective relationships. And so the indicator of that is a leader builds positive working relationships with members of the school community and the local community as well. And subsection F of that uh, standard indicates school leaders are to demonstrate a commitment to the health and well-being of all teachers, staff, and students. So there's the direct application right there, right? So this is in the leadership quality standard. Um, That same statement is not written in the superintendent leadership quality standard. Most superintendents delegate that work to their assistant superintendents or their deputy superintendents, but of course... It's in their best interest to be assisting with that work and uh, knowing about the work that's going on as well and modeling the commitment and, uh, you know, the work that goes along with that as well. Mm-hmm. So then part of the work that we did alongside of that is leaders in Alberta and including the superintendents have what's referred to as a practice profile. 
So the practice profile would be sort of that leadership version of a professional growth and development plan that teachers might use. So it's kind of that leadership version. Mm -hmm. And we were able to have CAS decide. So that's all of the superintendents across the province. Uh, There's at least 61 recognized separate public school boards that are part of the College of Alberta School Superintendents. And the superintendents had agreed to include that as part of their practice profile. So the wellness competency or this, uh, it's not a competency, sorry, the the wellness, we call it a construct because it's not one of the official competencies, Um, but it does hit the practice profile as a construct in addition to the competencies that are in the standard. So I think it shows a real strong commitment from school authority leaders. And in Alberta, we use the term school authority. That's the same as a school board across the country. Right. Um, I think it shows a a commitment for the work for sure in that they've agreed to include that as part of their practice profile. So because these standards had just been in development, that's why Wellahead approached CAS about starting this work. Yes, that's exactly right. Like, what is it that we can do to weld the leadership competencies with well-being from not just a personal leadership wellness perspective, but a systems perspective as well, right? So workplace or organization well-being is a bit of the work that we did as well. And can you tell our listeners, I'm sure they might know, but you know, why is workplace well-being a system level concern? You know, I think we've been hearing a lot, especially here in Alberta, with the the recent study in 2020 from the Alberta Teachers Association on compassion fatigue and emotional labor and burnout. We know this is a huge concern among teachers, but why is workplace well-being a system level concern? Well, it it certainly is a system level concern as well. And, you know, I think there are a number of issues at play here. So thank you for referencing that study. I think some really important work is being done there. And as Wellahead was beginning its work here in Alberta, they have included an infographic around some of the data they had collected. It's now about five years old, but I think it would align I know it aligns very well with the uh, Alberta Teachers Association study. Mm-hmm. And so we know that well-being is a significant growing issue. You know, the stress level of teachers, of leaders as well, uh, is increasing as simply, I think, society is becoming more complex. Mm-hmm. So social media puts everyone in the spotlight. I think leaders... You know, they have hundreds of people, thousands of people looking at their leadership in any of our larger school boards, our larger cities. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in the spotlight. And of course, it's very difficult for a leader to admit that they're not well. Right. And we know as well from a number of studies that leaders are more likely to meet the standard when they're well. Right. I mean, it just passes the test of reasonableness, doesn't it? Like, How can we do our best work when we're not well? And so that whole idea of leadership and wellness, I think, is becoming more and more aware. And really what CAS and Wellahead were looking to do was kind of moving from awareness and talking to action. So, you know, a study, you know, that's now about 10 years old indicated even back 10 years ago that 
80% of Canadian teachers feel their stress levels have increased over the past years. Yeah. In a study in Ontario, 30% of Ontario principals reported using unhealthy coping strategies to deal with work-related issues. Mm-hmm. There's huge financial implications. Uh, teacher turnover, which is often related to stress and burnout, cost schools an estimated $17,000 per teacher. Teachers' long-term leaves due to psychological distress is $3.4 million a year. And again, this information now is about five years old. Investing in teacher and school staff well-being can generate sevenfold returns through employee benefit plan savings. And we also know that when teachers are not well, students have higher levels of chronic stress, lower performance on their academics, reduced feelings of support from teachers and lower satisfaction with school. So leaders who are well, uh, there's a better chance that staff are well and a better chance that students are well too. What we've done is, um, you know, put together a number of resources, uh, a number of tools for people to use in terms of their workplace wellness planning. Right. And that was really the work moving to action. So, What's really interesting to me is that in an initial interview that we did, so we interviewed almost all of the superintendents in the province of Alberta. These were between an hour and an hour and a half, generally speaking, in almost every school authority in Alberta. The superintendents came to the conversation that came to the table. Wow. And this was a couple of years ago now? Yeah, that was in 2018. Okay. So that was kind of when we were first getting started and trying to figure out what how could we be the most helpful? So my colleague, Jim McClellan, and I were then hired by CAS mm-hmm. as the directors of leadership learning for wellness. Jim being a retired superintendent as well. And I think being a superintendent really helped with that, you know, because we had some instant validity, I think, I hope, with superintendents that we worked with. Well, you walked it for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. Well, we certainly did, Jim, longer than I, uh, in terms of the superintendency office. But We'd kind of been there and and now we're there to help. And the money was foundation money coming from the outside. And so it was a gift really to CAS in terms of trying to figure out how it might best proceed to really make workplace well-being an important priority. So, Caitlin, in that work, there were kind of three priorities that were established as part of the planning process. And, uh, you know, thank goodness both CAS and Well Ahead were very understanding that things could shift and certainly they did. But there were three main goals Mm -hmm. really as we started the work uh, that we were asked to work on. And one was to increase the number of school authorities that reflect mental well-being in the context of wellness as a key priority. Okay. So how can we have superintendents from across the province, leaders from across the province, consider well-being and workplace wellness to be a key priority? The second main goal was to increase the understanding among decision makers at the system, school, and policy maker levels of key elements to school authority integration of mental well-being. And so what are those elements? Um, In the end, we refer to them as conditions. So anyone with a, a background in comprehensive school health will know exactly what I'm talking about there in terms of, you know, what are the elements that are needed in order to sustain and scale workplace wellness. And and that's where, you know, some of the outputs, I guess, of the project came forward to help with. And we'll explain that in a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. And then the third main goal was to increase the understanding among decision makers at the system, school, and policy 
maker levels of the importance of workplace wellness in K-12 education. You know, I think some of the data, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, you know, proves that we had a bit of an impact there. Mm-hmm. And we were afforded basically a full-time position to start with among the two of us, so half-time each. So working full-time position really to try to meet those goals. So those were the three goals that you and Jim came in with. What were some of the strategies that you developed to start to tackle those? So you mentioned interviews. You did, was it one-on-one interviews with all Alberta school superintendents? Yes, absolutely. Wow. And, and most superintendents brought, you know, a small team with them, including often the uh, superintendent of HR. Those folks have a vested interest, of course, in terms of workplace well-being. In some cases, it was more the leader who had a responsibility around student mental well-being came to the table. Uh, In many cases, those same folks were now dabbling a little bit in staff well-being as well. Mm -hmm. And so different models, different ways of going about that work in different school authorities. So we toured the province. That was pre-COVID. In almost every case, we met face-to-face, so wow. I put a pile of miles on, on my vehicle, and, mm-hmm. uh, but what a great opportunity. You know, I've been to some parts of the province that I had never had a chance to visit before. Do any of those conversations stand out to you, like any ahas? or? One of the things, I think, from the interviews that was surprising to one of those unintended outcomes or things that kind of surprise you a little bit, and that was that we were amazed at the amount of work that was being done on student well-being. Comprehensive school health has made a difference in Alberta. And when I talk with my peers from across the country about the work that's being done in our schools in relation to that, they're amazed. And that framework has made a big difference in the province as reported by leaders. And it's good to know that leaders were aware Yes, many of them were. I mean, you know, that's not as though there haven't there weren't some growing pains with comprehensive school health, sure. just like any other initiative or framework when you get going. You know, we heard a little bit about that too, but I mean, mm-hmm. the level of awareness and the work that was being done in school authorities was, um, you know, out, outstanding, no doubt about it. And of course, we were able to to build on that to a great extent. And so. The main point of the conversations was to really look for what the trends might be across the uh, province. Mm-hmm. So it was a combined needs assessment and a bit of an environmental scan. So where are we mm-hmm. and, and, and what do we need? And there were a number of themes that kind of emerged. And I thought I would just take a minute and talk very briefly about some of those themes that came from the uh, environmental scan and needs assessment. Yeah, please. One of the themes that came forward was... Uh, a suggestion in the end that CASTS act as a bit of a clearinghouse around resources. So what superintendents were telling us is one of the ways that you can help us is to sift through all of the research that's out there in terms of well-being, wellness in general, so many resources, Mm -hmm. so much research. If you can help give us a really good start to that in our school division, we'd be very grateful and would be really helpful for doing that. Another one was sharing school authority exemplars. That ended up showing up as a padlet of resources that we put together based on the five conditions in our research. You know, one of the things that kind of came forward in terms of the research is to put together a planning and implementation document 
that would be specific for K-12 school authorities or school divisions um, related to staff well-being. So that was one of the documents that came forward from that. And then in the resources section, we ended up in our research coming up with five conditions. Mm-hmm. And these are in no particular order. They all have kind of equal uh, weighting in our minds. So one is comprehensive and integrated approach. So mm-hmm. well-being is very much integrated across a number of different dimensions, yeah. right? Although there was a heavy emphasis on mental well-being to start with, our framework certainly indicates the importance of a, a very holistic kind of an approach. Another condition is shared vision, leadership, and commitment. And I think that's a little bit about what this podcast is about today. Evidence and research is a third condition, and that's found in almost all of the frameworks. We better be doing things that are beyond our intuition, mm-hmm. although things that are well-researched that fit with intuition really become passions for us, don't they? <laughs> Defining roles and responsibilities, and then also systemic professional learning is, is the fifth one. So the environmental scan and the needs assessment that we did also reinforced these five conditions. The wording was different throughout But again, we were being asked by superintendents and leaders from across the province to bring them a manageable way of planning and implementing. And so by looking at all of these frameworks from across the country, we settled on these five. Mm -hmm. Comprehensive school health, of course, and others would have a student component because we were looking very specifically at staff. Ours doesn't. But certainly there is an impact there, right, cascading from leadership to staff to students. Definitely. So as we move along this kind of roadmap you're creating for us, you came in with these goals. You started doing face-to-face interviews with everyone across the province. You went on a little road trip. And from there, you started to shift from thinking about student mental well-being to staff well-being. And then you hinted at a few deliverables that have come from that. So I think you hinted at a Padlet, you hinted at an implementation guide, and you hinted at these five conditions. So I'm wondering if you can elaborate a little bit on those outputs that have come from all this work. And also, did you include leaders' voices beyond those interviews? Because I think I heard about a community of practice that you guys worked with as well. Right. Yeah, so there were actually a number of different kinds of strategies that we implemented in terms of um, continuing to collect voice, continuing to have conversation, and you know, with the idea of moving to action. So one of the things that kind of came about as part of the, the results, I guess, of the needs assessment was sharing school authority exemplars, for example. So Leaders really enjoy knowing what other leaders around the province are up to. Um, One might think that they're a little bit snoopy, um, (laughs) but on the other hand, the main reason for that, of course, is promising, I'll call it promising practice, right? Not even necessarily best practice because it changes so quickly. And so one of the things that we did is is cast meets, uh, well, pre-COVID, met regularly face-to-face a minimum of three times a year. Okay. So the leaders from across the province would come together in Edmonton, Calgary, and in other locations as well, fall, spring, and summer. And so a couple of things sort of came from that. One was in the work that we were doing, 
and in many of those conferences now, it's shared practice related to wellness. Okay. Okay. And wellness planning. That happens in, in a couple of different ways. At every gathering now, CAS has a well-being component. Nice. And it might be related to personal well-being. And it might be related to workplace wellness or organization well-being. So whether that's keynotes, whether it's sessions, another main way is we call it roll-alike. So at the College of Alberta School Superintendent Convenings, various people who work in specific roles come together just to talk. So they kind of create their own agenda. What is it that's important to you? What questions do you have? Kind of an ed camp format in some cases and have a chance to talk about things related to wellness planning uh, and implementation. And so the superintendents or the assistant or deputy superintendents who have portfolio of wellness and or even wellness coordinators, wellness leaders in school authorities, and there's more and more of that happening in Alberta these days, uh, have a chance to come together. And in many of these conversations and in, in the learning modules, so there's another output in the learning modules, I'll speak about those later, there were three of them, and all three of those the learning modules related to these five conditions I spoke to included at least two different school authorities speaking to promising practice within their own school division that were related to the five, the five conditions. So, you know, that's a practice that has changed with CAS that will, you know, certainly live beyond uh, the project. The project is sunsetting now. So that will live on, uh, you know, I'm very confident of that. Uh, Superintendents ask for data, evidence, research, support, different kinds of capacity building. And I've already talked a little bit about that in terms of their convenience for sure, right? And, you know, a little bit around messaging, right? How can we get the message out there about the importance and the priority. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody believes well-being should be a priority, mm-hmm. right? There are people who don't understand uh, cultural, environmental, and of course now these days legal responsibilities around psychologically safe yeah. environments, right? So, you know, that moral imperative, they were asking for a little bit of help uh, expressing that to their community, which we did get some messaging out. And we do have some of that with, within our work. Another piece of the environmental scan that was really important to people was CAS had not defined wellness. Mm-hmm. As you know, that's such a difficult definition, like where do you start? And so we did do that. And the feedback that we got on that is that it was very helpful to people. Mm-hmm. Whether you wanted to add to the definition or round it out or include different dimensions or but to have a starting place, and this is how CAS is defining wellness in this work going forward, uh, people also found very, very helpful. So I guess the conclusion of it was three main parts by the time we put all that interview work together. Creating a workplace wellness framework that considers the unique and complex context of school authorities was one mm-hmm. step that was recommended in the report by the people who put this together. Uh, creating a resource library and a professional learning module that aligns with information found in the report and aligns with our five condition framework and put together a plan and a template, which we have done and creating an implementation and planning guide that supports school authorities' awareness and understanding as they develop workplace wellness as another output. And then we added to that as well. After we had put together the implementation and planning guide, Uh, We had a number of leaders who had said, you know, that's such a great start, but 
boy, we could even use a little bit more detail around strategy or practice. Yeah. And uh, even in some resources. So we added in year two a community of practice at one of our convenings. And we had a subcommittee around each of the five conditions. And those people went to work and did some heavy lifting and came back with a plethora of research-based strategies in each of the five conditions. And so in the end, we have way more resources and way more practices. Or and we, we like the word practices because it denotes a bit of a habit. Yeah. Whereas a strategy can be a one and done. So, you know, building some habits in these five conditions and community practice, we each had a chair. And as a group, the five chairs and Jim and I, with some great editing help, <laughs> built a playbook oh. uh, to accompany the guide, uh, basically a big addendum to the guide. And um, okay. that's sort of the last bit of our project. We're just finalizing that now we have a draft of it available to the school authorities okay and we're just cleaning it up a little bit and it'll be in a final draft probably this month i'm hoping wow so that's a lot so can you break down what would our listeners get from the implementation and planning guide if they pick that up after listening to this what will that help them with well, I mean, it's such a great question. So maybe I'll just use comprehensive and integrated approach as an example. And the model follows through all five. So there's a quick description of what comprehensive and integrated approach means. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that separates out our framework from some of the others is we've included indicators. Oh. Some fairly clear, I hope they're clear, <laughs> indicators in terms of what it might look like. Right. So, for example, for comprehensive and integrated approach, one indicator is the plan addresses the wellness needs of all leaders, teachers, staff, and students within the physical, mental, and social emotional dimensions of well-being. So, I mean, we felt that we needed to put some boundaries on some of the work. Uh, I mean, even in spite of that, I think it gets away on us sometimes. Uh, if it's too broad and too complicated. But we went to the World Health Organization original definitions around wellness and well-being and stuck with their original three. Now, many well-being frameworks in terms of dimensions have eight or even 12 dimensions of well-being. We stuck with physical, mental, and social emotional dimensions, which were the original three out of the World Health Organization. And then a second indicator for that is the plan gathers the people and the resources to develop the school authority workplace wellness plan. And then we have what's a bit of an assessment, very simple. Oh. What's our current state? Oh, nice. And it's just basically a checklist of different practices. Um, And either I'm just beginning this or I'm on the road or I'm almost there or I'm kind of there and want to keep it up, right? So just a framework built on that as well. And those are probably really great ideas of things that they can start to implement if they haven't started them. Absolutely. The assessment itself gives some idea around strategy for sure. Mm -hmm. And then we've included in the planning and implementation guide just a couple of practices to consider to get started. Right. So we have just a handful of those. So, for example, a practice to consider with the indicators that I've talked about is create partnerships to coordinate development of comprehensive workplace wellness planning in your school authority. Suggested partnerships here in Alberta might include uh, Alberta Health Services School 
Health and Wellness Promotion Team, the Alberta School Employee Benefit Plan Workplace Wellness Consultants, and Employee Family Assistance Program, Ever Active Schools, mm-hmm. and so forth, right? And so it's a, just a place to get started. And then we have actually a planning tool. So what will we do? What's the timeline? What's the budget? And who's most responsible? And we have this in both PDF and PDF fillable. Wow. So you can actually work with it, you know, right on your computer if you want to. And then we have a number of selected resources to consider while working on your plan. So that's really what the planning and implementation tool can do for folks. And then, like I suggested, we have a Padlet of resources. And what's a Padlet for those that have never heard of that before? Oh, man, it's the greatest online, (laughs) simplest library you could ever come up with. It's kind of like a Pinterest board, right? It is. Yeah, thank you for that. I'm not much of a Pinterest guy, but I I love the analogy there. I think it's a strong one. And so we built basically five columns, one for each of our five conditions. Okay. And, you know, like many of these things, you could argue whether that resource fits in condition one or fits in condition five. Of course. I mean, one of the things about our framework is like many good frameworks, I think that they're really interconnected, right? And our community of practice, our, our teachers really found that, you know, that was the case, like, you know, as they were doing their research, well, you know, I'm going to pass this practice over to this group, because I think it, yeah. you know, it sort of fits within ours, but maybe it fits better. And in the end, it doesn't really matter where it goes. If it's a good practice, it's a good practice. Absolutely. A good practice will hopefully cross a few of the conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. So the planning implementation guide walks system leaders through the five conditions in terms of like assessing where they're at and starting to do some planning. And then the playbook is the Padlet part of the playbook. Are they used in tandem? Yeah, they're used together. So our encouragement now is to use the Padlet of resources, which is online, the planning and implementation guide and the playbook. And what is and the playbook just dives deeper into some of those practices that were that came from the community of practice. That's absolutely correct. There's also additional resources in there. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they're the same resources that are indicated in the Padlet. Right. But there are some additional ones as well. So Wow. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a ton there for system leaders to access to support some of this work. What do you think it'll take? You mentioned earlier that some of the resources the leaders were asking for was stats or data to continue to um, encourage system leaders that this is important. So what do you think it will take to convince educational leaders, school boards, politicians, and society in general, that education leader and staff wellness is worth making a priority? Like we have all the resources there. How do we get people to start to use them and embed it within all the stuff like you said were your original goals? Well, there's probably two main reasons. Number one is I think as leaders, we have a moral obligation Mm -hmm. to ensure that our environments are as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, who doesn't want to work in a healthy workplace environment? Mm -hmm. Uh, Who doesn't deserve to work in a healthy workplace environment, right? But increasingly, there's a legal obligation. And that is when an environment gets away on us, and begins to become unhealthy, there are more and more lawsuits related to unhealthy work environments. 
And so there's a risk. So part of it is actually from a superintendent point of view or a, a, a school director, you know, we have a bit of a legal obligation to do what we can now as well. And, you know, I think some of that legal imperative is going to become increasingly more important Mm -hmm. soon. And it sounds like, you know, in terms of convincing educational leaders, I think CAS, I think you mentioned, you know, every time you get together, it's on the agenda. So I think even that might seem small because you've been in it for so long, but having it on the agenda of these system leader meetings is probably also a really good way to convince educational leaders that it's worth making a priority because they see it and they're starting to live it. And I'm sure they would start to feel that. We were uh, talking a little bit about this the other day, but you know, back when I was a principal, even we had a wellness committee. Yeah. And back then, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give a number, but a long time ago, <laughs> um, you know, back then it was basically a social convener group, right? Plan the staff parties. Mm-hmm. We know so much more than that now. Totally. And I mean, one way of a principle getting started is to have it as a standing item on the agenda, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Put a, a workplace wellness committee together that, does more than just party planning yeah. and social convening. But social convening is also important. But yes, I agree. It is. So much it, more. It, yeah. it, absolutely, it is. Social connection, right? It yeah. certainly helps with that whole ESL part. And I mean, relationship building, uh, let's face it. I mean, it's one of the CAS standard competencies, right? Mm-hmm. It's a principal competency. So I don't say that in that it shouldn't be that. I'm just saying that now we know so much more. It needs to be broader than that now. Yeah. And and there's so much support that's out there. So many resources, so many places to get started. But, mm-hmm. you know, often I'm asked, where can I get started? Well, I think the place to start is make it a commitment to yourself. Yes. And that's no small feat for a leader. There's a lot of competing priorities that are out there right now, right? And so... You know, I am asked the question, well, how can I make this a priority when I'm so busy with other stuff? Well, I think the my answer to that is, well, ask a couple of just really good questions. You know, when you're in a school or you're with a staff or just asking a question around workplace wellness, it can be a very, very simple kind of question. we got to get away from how are you. Yeah. Like that's just not the question of the day, but you ask the question right away at the beginning. Brian, what do you do to support your own well-being, right? Like what a mm-hmm. great question that is. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to support your well-being as you're moving forward? What are you doing to manage your stress? And how is the school supporting you? And how is the district supporting you? There you go, right? It doesn't take a lot of effort to come up with one or two workplace wellness-related kind of questions just to get the topic flowing yeah. through an organization. Oh, those are some great tips for getting started. So I want to talk a little bit about the standards, but before we transition, was there anything else you wanted our listeners to know about the journey or the resources that have come from this work before we transition to talk a little bit about the standards? I should speak briefly about the professional learning modules that we did put in place. Okay. So that's kind of where we've ended up just this last spring. So we put three, I don't know, were they 75 minutes or 90 minutes? I forget already. And we had them couple weeks apart 
and they were completely online. And so it was three sessions that kind of highlighted the five conditions okay. and uh, what people are doing and, and what school authorities can do to get started. So we highlighted, of course, all of our resources. Uh, we highlighted the work of the community of practice and the playbook as well. And then, as I mentioned, we had two different school authorities speak to practices within those five conditions as well. Those were really well designed, I think, and included a couple of opportunities for engagement, but particularly having school authorities talk about promising practices that they were actually working on was of huge interest to our uh, people here in Alberta. Yeah, why reinvent the wheel when someone's figured something out that's working? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it would have to change according to everyone's context, but it's a good starting point. Yeah. Leaders really enjoy learning from each other. Mm -hmm. In fact, they learn as much from each other as they do from us. Yeah. Right. And so they get into, you know, breakout rooms and and they're talking about what's going on in their school authorities and how it applies. And I'm not doing this, but I mean, just the, the plethora of really great ideas that comes from that. Okay. So you had the opportunity to review the now released Canadian Healthy School Standards that were developed by the Alliance, as well as many partners. How do you feel they fit in with the framework and all of the outputs that CAS has worked so hard to develop? The Canadian Healthy School Standard, of course, was not available when we started our work, but this would have been another one that we would have looked at. And I mean, the words are different. And in the end, you've got sort of those three foundation standards and then you have the eight implementation standards. I mean, the alignment is actually pretty direct. It's just different words, right? So the whole school approach in our framework is basically a systems approach. Right. So different words, same idea. Well being integrated across all the curricula. I think there we've taken the viewpoint is that uh, workplace wellness is both a system responsibility and an individual responsibility. So well-being across all of the curricula certainly is very much related to both of those, both the system responsibility and an individual responsibility, both in planning for teachers, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of what they're doing with their students in their schools and in their classrooms. You know, so I think there's, it's a little bit looser than some of the others, but there is some alignment there for sure. Charting your unique plan. I mean, that's basically what we were trying to do, right? Was give people the tools to chart their own plan. Yeah. Right. Every context is different. And so for us to say, well, you should use this practice or use this practice in the end, especially with the playbook, there are more practices than a school division could ever really hope to implement. Mm-hmm. So it's about choosing the right practices for that school division's particular context. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really that foundation standard that you have, it was basically the basis of our work. In terms of the implementation standards, we don't really have students included in ours, but obviously if you take a school and a classroom and compare that to a school system and schools, we're suggesting involving your partners and and especially your teachers as part of a planning team Mm -hmm. when you're charting your unique plan. So I think there's some similarities in terms of process there for sure. School-specific autonomy. I'm really glad you've included that one. You know, autonomy is a really important concept in motivation. Um, We're all more likely to be motivated to implement something if we have some say in how it goes. And so, again, that was the reason that we put the playbook together. Mm -hmm. 
was to give people more choice in terms of what they put together. So I think there's a direct connection between school-specific autonomy, and in this case is the, um, you know, I would say the practices in the playbook, but also a comprehensive and integrated approach, right? There's lots of different ways of moving wellness forward when we think about the dimensions. Demonstrated administrative leadership is, I mean, that's, that's directly related to a couple of our conditions, of course. I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I think that one's quite obvious. Higher level support. We're talking about the support from the superintendent, the leaders, the principals. So shared vision, leadership, and commitments in, in three and four are directly related to, to our framework. Uh, dedicated champions. We're suggesting wellness coordinators at a school authority level. And um, we're seeing more and more of that. So we're suggesting at the school authority level, a, a dedicated position. We don't have that many full-time, 100% wellness coordinators. Most of them do have additional responsibilities, but I think Alberta is moving in that direction. Community support, we're advocating strongly for the workplace wellness committees to include community partners. And I've already mentioned to ASABP and Alberta Health. Yeah. Each community has many different individual business folks who have a vested interest in donating to schools, reduced rates for teachers at fitness places. I mean, there's just all kinds of partnerships there that can be in play. Quality and use of evidence that aligns directly directly, with our evidence and research, right? And you've also got professional learning. We've called it systemic professional learning so that it's ongoing, but it's the same idea, right? So just look at all of the different ways that the connections are there. I mean, there's right across your framework, I think, yeah, pretty much crosses all of ours as well. And I think, I mean, it's really interesting that you like literally lined them both up and saw all these in terms of the processes and the pieces, the alignment. But even if you, if you look at the standards, anyone who listened to our episode one with Melanie Davis from PHE, she talked about I think a key question a lot of our listeners have is, does this replace the comprehensive school health framework? And it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It is supposed to be there to kind of enhance and grow all the great work that the comprehensive school health framework has laid the foundation for. And your team definitely consulted that framework. But I think one of those enhancements is what we've coined as starting points. And just to define for our listeners, the starting points require attention and stewardship at school or district leadership levels. They open doors and accelerate action, creating the tipping point for a groundswell of healthy school efforts to be activated and sustained. And one of the starting points that were identified in the standards to support school health is staff well-being. So I think that's like, in addition to the fact that the models and the frameworks align, our standards say right there that staff well-being needs to be in place. It is essential as a starting point, as we say, to open the doors to the rest of this work to happen. So I think that in itself is a huge connection. And I hope that our listeners acknowledge that to support that starting point, they can go to CAS and all of these resources that were developed to kind of kick that off. So in your review of the standards, you were quoted as saying measurement is the hardest to do. Can you tell us a little bit about what you meant by that? Yeah, well, for now, the the planning is easy. People have a planning tool. They have 
lots of resources, lots of suggested strategies. You know, think big, start small, start somewhere, get to an action, put a yeah. committee together, put some budget towards a wellness coordinator, let them do some of the heavy lifting so it's not off the side of the desk of someone else. Yeah. Those are big things and somewhat simple. They're big because staffing requires some money. Putting together a volunteer committee, I mean, there's sub costs for that, right? Unless you're doing that after school. You know, I guess that's one of the things that the pandemic will do for us is change forever how we do some of our professional development mm-hmm. or how we even put together some of our conversations. So, you know, maybe using the technology will kind of go forward. But how do you know that what you're doing is really making a difference? Like it, it takes such an effort, yeah. I think, to, to make that happen. So everyone wants to measure impact. And so there's a million surveys out there every spring. And measurement just is always so hard. So we know that from understanding by design, that's where we should be starting, right? So in some cases, I think it starts with, you know, what's the data that you have? Mm-hmm. You know, an HR department at a school authority level knows how much they're spending on sub costs related to long-term and short-term disabilities. ASCBP has tremendous data that they do make available to the school authority. I'm not sure about the school. So Mm -hmm. ASCBP, of course, is our Alberta health benefit provider for school authorities here in Alberta. Yeah. And, you know, they have a vested interest in the well-being of staff as well, of course. Right. And so they put together tremendous resources and have data available for school divisions. So, uh, you know, I think one step is knowing what data is available to you. And then, of course, the next step is mining that data and trying to figure out exactly what it's telling us. So relatively speaking, you know, I think getting started and getting to some action is easy. Mm-hmm. I think measuring the impact of that, especially over time, is just really hard work. And I think connected to that challenge is some of these changes we're talking about don't happen in six months or seven or eight months or even 12 some of these big shifts in the well-being of a system, like a, a school jurisdiction or even a, an entire school, can take a couple years. Well, and the McConnell Foundation or Well Ahead put together a great report called Beyond the Binder. Mm-hmm. And so putting together a program is easy. Mm-hmm. However, we know that any one particular program is never enough to sustain the work, right? No. And so to have the motivation to look at the trends over a long period of time and to have the patience to know that and to understand that this is not simple, it's complex, and it's way more complex than we might think even. However, that doesn't prevent us from starting. No. Right? And you can start somewhere. Start in any one of the five conditions. In fact, we recommend that people start in an area of strength. Like, don't start where your gap is. Get a quick win. Yeah. Put together a committee. <laughs> Again, it's, I make it sound really simple, and I, it's not that simple, right? But it's something that you can do, and then you, you can see, okay, I've got that committee. We had our first meeting. Let's, let's celebrate that, right? And workplace wellness conditions are packed with emotion. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and so, although I make it sound really easy, I'm, I'm quite understanding, having done it myself, that it's not that simple. Yeah, that's a really good note. There are some steps to start, but acknowledging that this is challenging work. But I think CAS has made it a lot easier to get started with all the resources that we've been talking about. So can you tell our listeners 
how to find and access some of these resources that you've been talking about? So if our listeners were to go to CASS, that's C-A-S-S.ab.ca slash resources, it'll get you to all the CAS resources. And then up front and center is Workplace Wellness. And if they click on that Workplace Wellness link, it will take them to all of the documents that uh, we put together. And it does include learning guides to many of the conversations and sessions that we've had. What's a learning guide? That's like a teaser. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and as well, the playbook is there. The planning and implementation guide is there as well, as is the original wellness environmental scan and needs assessment report is there as well. Wonderful. And we can include that link in our show notes as well. So people don't have to scramble and write it down, but it's good to know how to kind of navigate that site. Yeah. Well, before we close, do you have anything to share about what's next? So you've launched all these tools. What's next for you? What's next for CAS? Well, the project has kind of sunsetted, right? So it was foundational money. We've spent the money. (laughs) (laughs) It's been three years that have gone by. So very, very quickly, two and a half, I guess, by the time we got started. Mm -hmm. I am excited to say, though, that the work will continue through the EdCAN network. EdCAN. So uh, just very recently, and I can't go into a lot of detail because, in fact, it's fairly new and still trying to figure things out. But Mm -hmm. the College of Alberta School Superintendents and EdCAN have agreed to a bit of a partnership to allow the resources to maybe become a bit better known across the country and for some of the learning of the project to come forward to some pan-Canadian kinds of planning. We're in the very, very early stages of a Well at Work K-12 leadership course. So using materials from across the country, different learnings from different groups from across the country in a probably an online leadership course, but again, you know, not exactly sure what that's going to look like yet. The course syllabus is just in the planning stages right now. There's also lots of talk right now about a coaching platform. Mm-hmm. For example, if a school authority wanted a little bit of extra help, outside help, kind of getting started, I think the EdCAN Network is looking to put something into place to help with that. Another goal or strategy is to put together some provincial, but eventually pan-Canadian hubs that would feature community of practice type of work. Wow. And they're also working on an economic study in British Columbia of the costs of K-12 staff stress and burnout. So looking at a fairly broad provincial kind of a scope of the economic benefits of getting started. So I spoke briefly to that early on Mm -hmm. uh, with some of the work that um, Well Ahead had done. So it's kind of updating that. Yeah. You know, especially considering the pandemic, right? The effects of that, of course, there's lots of talk about that as well. So sort of four solutions or strategies around moving forward the concept of workplace wellness right across this country. Wow, that's exciting. So is this part of EdCAN's Well at Work pieces? Yes, that's exactly right. Part of their Well at Work 2.0 for sure. Yeah, so, you know, the vision is K-12 systems in Canada where every school and school district has comprehensive policies and strategies in place to support health and well-being of all of its employees. So, you know, again direct connection to the work that the Alliance is doing, right? Very directly related. 
Well, that's very exciting. Thanks for sharing that teaser. We look forward to hearing more promotions and ideas as it comes together. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all the questions we had today. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we sign off? I don't think so, Caitlin. I've really enjoyed the experience and I thank you for the opportunity. You know, it's been three years of very validating, very fun, very hard work. And we didn't build the resources for us. Yeah. We built them for all the listeners you have out there. So I hope as you do that they'll have a look and that they'll be helpful. Wonderful. Thank you, Brian. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this podcast elective series, System Leadership in Healthy Schools, brought to you by the Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance. Thanks to Matthew Wood for composing and performing the theme music. You can follow the Alliance on Twitter at Canadian School Health, CDN School Health, or on LinkedIn by searching Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance. Or visit our website, healthyschoolsalliance.ca, for more great content and resources. Until next time, the podcast is dismissed. <laughs>